Please keep your hymnals out tonight as we look at Lord's Day 37. That's the continuation of the teaching on the third commandment. It's the only commandment that receives two Lord's Days, the Lord being very concerned for truth and for his name to be used in association with the truth and used rightly, not using oaths or using his name in a, in a, in a wrong way, misusing his name. It, it continues the concern about God's will in the third commandment, which is this, to use his name with uh, uh, reverence and awe, as answer 80, or 99 says, so that we may properly confess him, that we might call upon him and praise him in everything we do and say. We are to call upon him as the witness to truth and to declare that as God has stated it, so it is. And the, the psalmist has just, uh, we've just sung that psalm, Psalm 119. We follow truth and justice. Leave us not in deep distress. Be our help and our protection. Let the proud no more oppress. Lies can oppress. Lies press down. Lies destroy. They don't build up. We are awash in lies uh, in, in our day. So we need to look again to uh, the Word. I am yours, O give me wisdom. Make me know your truth, I pray. Sinners have despised your statutes. Now, O Lord, your power display. Lord, I love your good commandments and esteem them more than gold. All your precepts are most righteous. Hating sin, to these I hold. We we sing that and we are basically what we're asking is, Lord, bear witness to that fact that we are those who walk in keeping with the truth that the word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, that we are guided in all truth. The uh, third commandment is that, and we read it from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5 this evening, Deuteronomy 5 and verse 11, where uh, The Israelites are reminded a second time, second reading of the law, Deuteronomos, the second reading of the law. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Do not attach his name to lies. Do not attach his name to falsehood. And remember to attach him instead to truth. Listen to what Lord's Day 37 says, question and answers 101 and 102. But may we swear an oath in God's name if we do it reverently? Yes, when the government demands it or when necessity requires it in order to maintain and promote truth and trustworthiness for God's glory and our neighbor's good. Such oath-taking is grounded in God's word and was rightly used by the saints in the Old and New Testaments. Question 102, may we also swear by saints or other created things? No, A legitimate oath is calling upon God as the one who knows my heart to witness to the truth and to punish me if I swear falsely. No created thing is worthy of such honor. Dear people of God, the writers of the catechism were concerned with that matter of oath-taking because they saw in Scripture God's call and His command to do that. He said, when you enter into the land, take 
oaths swear in my name. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13, as they're entering the land, as they're, they're called to be truth tellers and to be those who are witnessing to the truth, he says to them, it is the Lord your God you shall fear, him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. Not by the gods of the Canaanites, not by the, uh, the, the gods of the other nations, but by the God of truth. Why do we, why do we emphasize that? Well, because uh, God alone is the one who upholds the truth and witnesses to it and can punish us if we're speaking lie. It's the only meaningful oath that can be taken. Listen to what uh, Zacharias O'Shinus said in the commentary. He says, an oath, properly speaking, is a calling upon God as the one who knows the heart, that he will bear witness to the truth and punish me if I swear falsely. We see that in answer uh, 102, where he's laying out what the true oath, a proper oath is. In the days of the writing of the catechism, there were many oaths taken according to the saints. By saint so-and-so, I, I declare this to be true. By the, by the church, I declare this to be true. And, and there was this concern that this was a, a way of trying to appear like we were really confident in our speaking while not being at all concerned that we would be held accountable for not keeping our word uh, or held accountable for a lie. The oath is... Uh, given as uh, a means to guarantee the truthfulness of one's comments. And, and that's important. The, the Lord wanted his people to be uh, truth tellers and to live according to the truth. And so he kept their, his name before them as, as exalted, as majestic, as the one before whom they would uh, give account. And he said, you may swear by my name with this awareness that if you are not speaking truthfully, then you will be judged accordingly. Do not take empty vows or careless words upon your lips. Even Jesus says that each person will be judged for every careless word spoken. Well, it's been said that society is founded upon trust and part of the reason you invoke the God who is the only God to declare that what you say is true is because you want people to trust what you are saying. And so we want to have a, a society grounded upon truth and trust. Trust is founded upon truth. Society that turns away from God will lose its grip on truth with an erosion of trust. We see that today, don't we? Where we don't uphold the truth, where we live according to lies, and we don't trust each other. We don't trust the so-called experts. We don't trust those who are supposed to be uh, speaking truth because one minute they say this and the next minute they say that, which is completely contradictory. And we say, well, where can we find truth? How can we trust that this is the very uh, uh, foundation of society, of what is good for us? And that uh, therein is what, uh, is what is said as well. This truth-telling is to promote, this oath-taking is to promote truth and trustworthiness for God's glory and our neighbor's good. We don't promote our neighbor's good by telling lies. We don't promote our neighbor's good by, by uh, declaring that we're, we're saying something with an empty oath, knowing that we can 
tell the lie without being held accountable. We want to be certain that we're speaking truth. And so the Lord said, take oaths in my name so that those who hear will be certain of what you say. That they will know that you are speaking truth. When, when a society turns away from God, it loses grip on truth with an erosion of trust, which in turn leads to the fragmentation and breakdown of society. We don't know where to turn. That's what we're seeing in our country today. We're seeing a truth in decay, and we're seeing a lack of trust. We see it in the courtroom. We are very cynical about those who hold their hand up and say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Or we see it uh, when a politician says, I, I swear to uphold the Constitution of the United States. And, uh, and then in the next uh, moment, we see them uh, completely turning it on its head when it suits them. We need to have a, 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 a confidence in the oaths that we take. That they're grounded upon uh, a, a, an awareness that we're going to be judged if we do not speak the truth or uphold our word. One has said this, the oath of office, the trustworthiness of witnesses, the stability of a society in terms of a common regard for truth, the faithfulness of clergy to their vows, of wives and husbands to their marital vows, all hinge on the holiness of the vow, that it's something that we can really believe in, that there's a confidence that this means something to the person who is making the vow. When there's no regard for the vow, no no sense of being held accountable to one's oath, degeneration follows and society falls apart. When men can subscribe to oaths and vows with no intention of abiding by their terms, then social anarchy and degeneration follow. Where there is no fear of God, the sanctity of oaths and vows disappear and men shift the foundations of society from the truth to a lie. Because God rests so weightlessly upon our society today, we take his name in connection with oaths very uh, flippantly, very uh, lightly. But we ought to take them seriously. People of God knew that when they were taking vows in the name of God, that they would be held accountable if they were not keeping his commands. Laws and oaths are necessary for the survival of society, the Catechism speaks about those legitimate oaths, those taken uh, in the name of God as the one who knows my heart to witness to the truth and to punish me if I swear falsely. There are no other uh, creatures that have uh, such honor. And Scripture commands those oaths. As I said already, Deuteronomy 6.13 says, It is the Lord your God you shall fear, Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. Deuteronomy 10.30 says the same. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him, and by his name you shall swear. God is concerned for truth. He wants to be attached to it. He wants to bear witness to it and to uphold it. Therefore, we must be careful to speak truth and to be thoughtful when we take his name, connection with speaking the truth. He defends truth, for to defend truth is to defend his word. 
He will punish those who attach him to lies. Well, what then do we make of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5, where he says that we are to be careful about taking oaths? Let me, let me just read that passage for us as it pertains to uh, our sermon tonight. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, verse 33, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. And what we see there is uh, Jesus warning against empty oaths. He's not saying that we may not take oaths in the name of the Lord, but in the name of these other things, of created things. Don't swear by heaven or by earth or by Jerusalem. The Jews of that day were taking these lesser vows, these lesser, lesser oaths to appear as though they, were, they, they wanted to be checked in their, uh, in their speech, and yet they were... Um, they were not taking God's name uh, seriously, and they were not uh, recognizing that he would hold them accountable if they were to not keep their word. They wanted to keep the emphasis on telling the truth before the people. They came down heavy upon liars. Taking an oath in God's name was serious, but what had happened was the oaths were taken in connection with lesser things. I swear by heaven I'm telling the truth, or I swear by the temple I'm telling the truth, or... I swear by Jerusalem that I'm speaking the truth or by my, the hair on my head. And God said, only he is witness to the truth and he must be invoked that we understand the responsibility we have when speaking, when speaking for him and speaking the truth. He punishes the liar. And so we are to remember his name when we speak. As I said, the Jews of Jesus' day had distorted oath-taking. They would swear by heaven, by earth, by the temple, by the hair on their heads, by other things that they would want to use to impress others, to take advantage of that situation while not being bothered in their conscience as having broken Old Testament law. Listen to what Leviticus 19 says. Leviticus 19.12 says this, You shall not swear falsely by my name. Well, they interpreted that conveniently to mean that swearing falsely by any other name was allowed. And so they would use other names, other things, and then they would uh, take their oaths lightly. Numbers 30, verse 2, said, When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word but must do everything he said. This was interpreted as permitting any oaths to be broken that weren't made to anyone but God. You see how we can do this, like this sort of uh, cross my finger behind my back as I make this oath that, that I don't really have to keep the word. And God said, this is not uh, a proper representation of who I am. I care for the truth. It must, be, it must be stood for, and I will judge those who do not keep it. Jesus' words here, then, are... are meant to be saying enough of empty oaths. Don't take unnecessary oaths. Be people of truth. The Jewish leaders were making categories of oaths, oaths made in God's name, 
However, must be kept. They were, they were making reference to heaven and then declaring it wasn't absolutely binding, or they would make reference to earth. That was not binding. You get the idea. In Matthew 23, Jesus warns of, uh, states what's happening there and says it's, it's emptying uh, their concern for speaking the truth. Matthew 23, verse 16, Woe to you, he says to you leaders, you blind guides who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? You say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. Whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. Whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Don't take these lesser O's and think they are somehow, these lesser names and think this is somehow less serious. He says you are, in effect, trying to uphold truth while not invoking God's name and abusing his name. They were playing games with truth-telling, making categories, the big lie, the white lie. Jesus speaks against this creation of categories. He says, speak the truth enough with unnecessary formulations. Now some will say, well, this is the old covenant that, uh, that where, where God is speaking, the Old Testament. We're now under the new covenant, but Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to uphold it. Oaths were common in both testaments. Abraham took oaths, the Old Testament. Joshua took oaths. Uh, the men of Israel took oaths before the Gibeonites. David took oaths. Uh, we remember one in particular where he says to Bathsheba that Solomon will certainly be king, took an oath for the Lord. In the New Testament, Paul took oaths saying, may God be my witness about what I am to say, what I have said. God himself took oaths in uh, the Old Testament declaring that he would keep his word and he had no one else higher to swear by, therefore he swore by himself. We read that in Hebrews chapter 6 that he is keeping the oath according to the judgment laid out there, that if he would not keep the oath, he would submit to the curse. Well, that's what happens in Genesis 15 when we see the, the, the dream that, uh, or the vision that Abraham has. The smoking fire pot goes through that, that calf, that heifer that is split apart, and God is saying, may I be rent asunder if I do not keep my promise to make of you a great nation. And he effect does bear that curse when Christ goes to the cross, rent asunder by blood, keeping the oath that he might be true. Jesus himself would say those words, truly, truly, I say to you, which was an oath formula, calling attention to the teaching that he was making, that it had God's approval. God is not one who takes lying Lightly, in fact, in Proverbs 12, he says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. A nation that lives according to lies is a nation that is under judgment. In James chapter 5, much the same is said, and James says, do not take these, these oaths that you are doing. Uh, he, he's, he's saying, do not take these, these oaths by other formulas as though you can uh, somehow Maintain the severity while avoiding consequence for lies. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, 
so that you may not fall under condemnation. Be those who are people of your word. Frivolous oaths were destroying the body of believers. People were not keeping their word, not living according to God's commands. And then stepping back from their oaths because they took them according to other things rather than according to God's word, not then upholding them. God provided for oath-taking, proper oath-taking in his name as an accommodation to sinful human nature which is so prone to deceit and lying. It is meant to be a firm foundation upon which truth could be established and trust built up. We need that in society. There is nothing that does more to destroy a society than lies, as we're seeing today. The destructiveness of it, rejection of truth and the establishment, the enshrinement of lies. What is the great and self-destructive attitude of the wicked? Why, why is it that they can, can live in lies? It's because of this. They have no fear of God before their eyes. That's what the psalmist says in Psalm 36. When one takes the oath in the name of God, it ought to strike fear in their hearts that God will punish. Listen to what the catechism says. Legitimate oath is calling upon God as the one who knows my heart to witness to the truth and to punish me if I swear falsely. We will give account for everything that we have said and done to him. Where do we give oaths properly? Question or answer 101 says, where the government demands it when necessity requires it in order to maintain and promote truth and trustworthiness for God's glory and our neighbor's good. That is where we do this. How is it that persons can take this name of God upon their lips without seriousness today? There is no fear of God before their eyes. God says we will give account for every careless word spoken. They swear by all things false, giving an appearance of concern for truth while trampling it underfoot. Listen to the psalmist in Psalm 36. The wicked flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. That is the path of lies, and that is the destructive path. The psalmist says, truth must be established lest there be no foundation. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 11. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed, what becomes of civilization? We see what is taking place. We see how important it is that we speak truth, that we connect God to truth. His word is truth. Psalm 119 speaks of the perfections of that word. It declares that it is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, that which ought to be our delight, that which leads us in the way everlasting. Because the fear of God is shrinking, God is turning man over to his sin. And we hear of things happening 
that we couldn't even imagine if it were told to us apart from God's Word where he says this, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. They live by the lie. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So we see here just exactly what happens when the lie is embraced. It is what we see all around us. We see how important it is that God's word be upheld and that his name be attached to it when you are engaged with uh, someone in conversation, perhaps you say, well, how am I supposed to defend myself? How am I supposed to speak to them? There's, there's a lot of emotion there. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, uh, of irrationality there. We remember this, that they know the truth, though they suppress it in unrighteousness. And so we have to stand upon that truth. We have to recognize, here I want to just kind of apply this a bit uh, beyond oath-taking to this matter of pressing home the truth. We need to bring the truth knowing that it is powerful to expose the lie, to shed light upon the lie. How do you engage someone in conversation today about truth? Well, pretty simply today, you can say you're a Christian. And that usually gets a response. Oh, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that God that you worship. I don't believe in those teachings that you follow. Well, how do you engage in that context? One of the ways I think that's very helpful is to say, oh, and what is it that you believe concerning God? What is it that you believe concerning Christianity? What do you mean by God? What do you mean by Christianity? What do you mean by truth or by these teachings? And usually when they uh, begin to talk, you soon recognize that they don't know the one true God. They don't understand the teachings of Scripture. And this is an opportunity then for you to say to them, well, I don't believe in that God either that you're speaking of. I don't believe the true, th those teachings that you uh, are expounding either. I think you misunderstand the truth. The truth is for good. The truth is not to oppress. It's not the, the, the possession of a particular ethnicity or a, 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 a possession of a particular uh, people group. It is God's truth, the creator's truth for the entire world. And here is what it says. And you declare what has happened. You declare how the lie has, has, has become so rampant that we begin to think that there is no standard but that without a standard, there is no foundation upon which to stand. And the 
Society has no way of moving forward, but only breaks apart. And then you say, this, this truth that I'm propounding to you is that which has been established by the one who has made all things and will one day come and who will judge according to that truth. And we then have opportunity to say at that point, and not a one of us holds that truth perfectly. But there was one who was the truth, the one whom Satan sought to destroy. He thought he gained victory when he placed the one who was the way, the truth, and the life upon the cross, when in fact what was happening there was that the Lord Jesus Christ was keeping covenant so that those who have offended the Lord, those who have sinned against Him and lived the lie, might believe in Him and be saved. For His death is atoning. His death is saving. And if we believe in Him, the one who is truth, we can be received forever into fellowship with the Creator who has made all things for our good, the one who is for us in Jesus Christ. And we speak to them passionately, compassionately, knowing that without the Spirit they cannot see these things. They grope about as in the darkness. But we have confidence that when the truth is proclaimed, when we speak with God as our authority, that He has power to bring the blind out of their darkness, to have sight, to bring those out of darkness into light, that He might be glorified. For it's not about us. It's not about what we say or do so much as it is our being faithful, speaking truth, for society is built up upon it. And apart from it, it cannot exist. The devil knows this. He wants it to be destroyed. He wants every design, every truth of God's word to be undermined. And you and I are messengers to that truth that they might hear it that they might come to believe, that they might know the goodness of our God. May God help us to speak that truth, that they would turn from darkness to light. Amen. Let's pray. Your Father in heaven, your word is I am. Your name is Almighty. Your name is most holy. Your name is Redeemer, Savior. Your name is Judge. You are truth. There is no other. Your word is truth, and it alone leads us to life, it alone sanctifies. May we not be ashamed of it. May we engage others when they ask us why we live the way we do as we've heard this morning. We say that we live for the one who has freed us from bondage to selfishness, to, to bitterness, to anger. Has freed us to live and love, to give ourselves, to serve. May we then engage, asking them to 
explain what it is they believe and how they see the world. That we would then be courageous to speak the truth. That You would use us to speak that word of truth to them that they might come from darkness to light. Lord, our culture, our world does not fear You, does not fear Your name. Oaths are taken flippantly, lightly, with no sense of accountability to You. Yet we will one day give account to You for every thought and word and deed. We thank You that in the Lord Jesus Christ, all of our sinful thoughts, words, and deeds have been covered by His perfect sacrifice. And that through Him, Your Spirit has come to make us new. That we would delight in the truth, not suppressing it, but declaring it. Help us to do that with great joy. Hear us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Number 34A is the song that we sing. I was looking at these uh, psalms as it pertains to uh, truth-telling. Psalm 34 speaks of uh, heartfelt praise and profound wisdom, uh, that we are those who are speaking the truth and that uh, we are to keep our lips from evil our lips from speaking deceit. We are to be those who are declaring truth for it brings glory to God. So as we sing this psalm, we think about that. We're going to sing stanzas 1, 3, 4, and 6. 1, 3, 4, and 6, standing to sing number 34A.
Let's pray. Lord, we pray that You would send out Your truth, that Your Word would extend to the ends of the earth, to all peoples, to all languages. Tonight, as we give for El Pacto de Gracia, we ask, Lord, that You would bless that ministry to the Spanish-speaking people in the Chicago Heights area. Lord, may it reach to those presently making up that congregation beyond to their family and to their friends, to their connections, that we might rejoice with them in seeing the gospel come and free not only we ourselves, but many others. Hear our prayers as we offer up these offerings for this cause. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. stand and confess the truth that has been proclaimed for centuries. Words of the Nicene Creed tonight, page 852, as we confess our faith with the church throughout the ages, saying together, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead 
and the life of the world to come. Amen. People of God, go with God in this parting blessing. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. May you walk in all truth. The one who calls you is faithful, but he will do it. Amen. Thank you.